Welcome to the Victory Life Church Podcast. We believe it's important to present an uncomplicated and uncluttered view of Christ and how we should live. We hope this podcast inspires you and helps build your faith. If you ever find yourself in the area, come check us out. For more information on services and events, visit us at vlcministries.com and follow us on Facebook and Instagram at VLC Plantation. You know, I really re- relate to this, to this place. Uh, I, how many have ever heard the book Seeking Jesus? Seeking Jesus. It's a, it's a fiction book based on Philly going to his grandma's room and she's in a coma. And so he asked grandma to pray for him if she could hear him. She does. And all of a sudden, Jesus shows up visibly. Everywhere he goes, he is right there. It is an awesome book. You actually feel like you're hanging out with Jesus. But there is a truth in that fiction book. Jesus said, I live in you. So the truth of the matter is he does go everywhere that you go and I go. And if you can somehow turn that switch on, life is a lot better when you realize that. I'd like for you to turn to the book of Psalms, and we're going to read Psalm 23 again. We'll do that for the next couple weeks. Some of you have memorized it. We're going to read it from the NIV. Love the, how many have their Bibles today? We're going to do this for a while just to maybe get one Bible. Oh, two, three, four, five, ten, fifteen. Okay. Those looking on online, I hope you have your Bible with you too. We're going to read from Psalm 23. Mm. This time I'll read it, not everybody in unison. The Lord is my shepherd. Can you say that? The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not be in one. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. He guides me on the right path for his name's sake. Even though I walk to the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare before me in the presence of my enemies a table. I know it reads a little bit different in your version. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely, goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Amen. Now, I want you to focus on, last week we focused on verse 1 and 2. Is he your shepherd? Is he my shepherd? But I really want us to focus in on verse 3. As we look at it again, he guides me in paths of righteousness. Jehovah-Rohi, that is God, my shepherd, Jesus, my shepherd, guides me, Jehovah, into righteousness, Jehovah-Sidkanu. Remember that name, Jehovah-Sidkanu. God, Jesus, is our righteousness. Now, what do I want you to take away this morning as we contemplate and think about Christ? Every single decision you and me make is either made and gets you on the right path or the wrong path. And I believe if you look back in life, there are a lot of decisions you made that have put you on the right path, and you have enjoyed the benefits thereof. But we also want to take this scripture as a warning. Every decision you and me make either veers us further and further away from the right path and puts us on the wrong path. So are you this morning letting Jehovah-Rohi, your shepherd, lead you in every decision on the right path?
path. Well, I found a couple of these stories. It goes this way. I recently met a super wealthy and influential businessman at the corporate conference. The man has a net worth of over $100 million. In conversation, he told me he regretted never making it to his son's hockey games or his daughter's dance recitals. It made me smile because my total net worth is probably only as much of this man's last paycheck. But I've made it to everything. And my two children, they always smile and wave to me in the stands during practice and on game days. Someone made the right decision to get on the right path. I was recently reunited with an old friend after nine years of silence between us. Through our high school and college, we were best friends. Then just before graduation, we got into a nasty fight over a boy. Terrible, hateful words were exchanged, and we never spoke again until today. And as we hugged each other and cried, we acknowledged how irrelevant that boy is right now. I just used these two to get us started off in the right direction, that here was an individual or a couple that did not allow Jehovah-Rohi to guide him into the paths of righteousness. They made a decision at that point in time to disregard what God had to say about hate, about forgiveness, and all the kinds of things, or about money, or about family, and they got on the wrong path, and they paid the consequence for that. But many have made the right decision, and they have received the blessings. Well, I think about this. He wants to be your Jehovah-Rohi and guide you into the path of righteousness like he did the Israelites. Here's what he said to Israel. The very people that kept rejecting the nation as a whole did, just like the United States as a whole, seems they're in our public school system, in the government, in Hollywood as a whole. They are rejecting the right path. They are rejecting Jehovah Sidkenu. Individually, that may not be taking place. And in the nation of Israel, they were rejecting Yeshua. And he said this to them, remember on Palm Sunday, and he came in, and even the children said, he's the son of David, the one that they prophesied about. He's here. He's coming into Jerusalem. And yet a lot of the people were standing around just jealous of him. Here's what he said to them in Matthew 23. Old Jerusalem, old Jerusalem, the city that kills the prophets and stones God's messengers. Can you hear now, Jehovah, Rohi, how often I wanted to gather your children together as a hen protects her chicks beneath her wings, but you wouldn't let me. Are you right now letting Jehovah, Rohi, be your shepherd and guide you on the path of righteousness with that decision you're about to make right now. Think about it now. The decision, where are you going to go this afternoon? By reading this book that I've been telling you about, you'll love it. You want the name of it again? Seeking Jesus. It makes me aware of every decision I make, everywhere I go, what are you up to, God? What are you doing? I'm your servant 24-7. There's no time out. And wow, I'm telling you, it is an exciting path, it is an exciting frame of mind to be in when you're looking the next minute, this afternoon. Okay, God, there are some plans I have, but what do you want to do? I'm telling you, there'll be God sightings, Jesus sightings all over the place. 
and there'll be that fellowship that's unspeakable and won't just take place here when we're singing and worshiping. Many of you know about it. Well, he wants to be your Jehovah Rohi. But some of us are getting on the wrong path. You see, Proverbs tells us in 14.12, there is a path before each person that seems right, but in the end, it leads to death. Are you on the right path right now? Oh, you, you may believe in Jesus right now, but are you on the right path with the decisions that you're making? Because every decision, whether it's a macro or micro decision, it's either going to keep you on the path or it's going to steer you off the path. See, the shepherd wants to lead his sheep on the right path. And my sheep hear my voice. And if they listen to his voice, they will be on the right path. Hmm. Are you contemplating getting off the path this morning? If so, Galatians 5 reminds us. I'm speaking to believers again. You were running the race so well. You accepted Jesus Christ as your Savior. You're all fired up. You're, you're reading the Scripture. You're telling people about Jesus. You're living in righteousness. Well, who in the world stepped in and got you off on the wrong path? He says it right here. Who has held you back from following the truth about these decisions that you're making every day? It certainly isn't God. For he is the one who's called you to freedom. Now let me start with the big ones that are so easy and then digress into personal ones. You see, I want to throw out the bait and reel you in where God does so you can be in agreement with him. So finally when he gets personal about those so-called little decisions you make, how about putting the pedal to the metal at a stoplight? I want to show you how bad my car is. Yeah. The impulsive moment that you want to show off could end up in death. I remember a couple of times doing that, and I go, wow, what an idiot. Think about every decision that you make. Now, let's start with the obvious. Okay. Does God exist? And everybody in this, in this room, no problem at all. I believe it. The shepherd has led me into the path that Jehovah has always existed. And acting on that truth will lead you on the right path. And it has a profound impact on your children, children's children. But talk to Frederick Nietzsche, who is the father of atheism, or talk to Karl Marx. They, they, they let themselves be deceived. They did not follow Jehovah Rohi. And they were led on the wrong path. Not only were they led on the wrong path, but they led generation after generation after generation on the wrong path. Now, if I know most of you believe it, and you looking in online believe this, or perhaps maybe you don't. Well, then who in the world has led you off the right path? What book have you read that's led you onto the wrong path that God has not always existed? Is that book better than God? Is that author better than God? Or perhaps you're playing God and you decide what is the right path or the wrong path. If you're on the wrong path this morning, will you repent and believe? You see, Psalms 92 reminds us that before the mountains were born, before you gave birth to the earth and to the world, from beginning to the end, you are Jehovah, you are Yahweh, you are God. Ah, there is the right path. Well, that was an easy one. What about God created the world in six days? How many believe God created the world in six days? How many don't believe he raised the world in six days? Okay, ushers, will you get that? No, I'm just teasing. <laughs> I'm just teasing you. 
Okay, Genesis, we know Genesis chapter 1 talks about he made this, he made that, he made this in one day. And then he ends by saying in verse 31, Genesis 1, Then God looked over all that he had made, and he saw that it was very good. And evening passed, and morning came, marking the sixth day. So there was nothing, and then there was something. But if you want to be led down the wrong path, just please listen to Stephen Hawkins, who believes that the earth or the cosmos has always existed. Since Scope's trials, they have advanced the idea of evolution as the explanation of why we're here. And then in 1950, Darwin's theory of natural selection was accepted by, by biologists and scientists and evolution really took off into the public school systems. Do you realize that three quarters, 75% of all college graduates and fully 81% of those with postgraduate degrees that believe that human beings have evolved over time? Now you know why it's so important that we help you, assist you with the youth, why our youth job is so important, because they're going to go off to school, and you know the statistics of how many will actually continue in their faith walking with God. This foundation is extremely important, mom and dad, you're raising your kids in the Lord, because you let that public school system get them. Now, if you go to public school or your teacher, that's fine. You're just going to have to debrief them when they come home. It's like going to the movies. Listen, it's not wrong to go to the movie theater, but you better, better take note of what they're watching and where they're going. You better take note of the books that they're listening to and they're reading because when they get a hold of your child, well, they will lead them on the wrong path. But here's the problem. I asked you a question a minute ago. How many believe the earth was created in six days? And how many believe... It's in thousands of years. But I want to tell you, according to the word of God, there is no wiggle room. But Christians, in order to pacify the scientists and evolution of that day so they didn't look out of whack when they said it was, oh, it was, it was thousands of years, then it's millions of years, and now a billion years. You know what the latest statistic is? 3.5 billion years old is this planet. So they had to come up with something. Guess what it was? Theistic evolution. That God uses evolution, or he used evolution, to create the universe and the cosmos. Who in the world were they listening to? What book were they listening to that's better than the Bible? Huh. Speaking about the Bible, hmm, why would you put another scientific book, a biological book, a, a, a biology book ahead of the word of God? Who wrote that book? You trusting him over God? Let's look at the Bible. Now, these are easy ones so far. You've made decisions already about who God is and how old the planet is. What about the Bible that tells us about these things I've just talked about with you? You see, the Bible boasts of over 2,000 prophecies. Some take a few or add more to it. Second Timothy said this about this precious word. All scripture is inspired by God and is useful to teach us what is true. That's why I preached a sermon during 2020 and 2021. Who has the truth? The Bible has the truth. God has the truth. Let all men be liars. Let God be true and all men liars. I just told you, the smarter people become, the more absent-minded about God they become. And we're going to listen to them tell us what to do with our bodies and our minds and our souls? Heck no. I'm going to the Word of God to see what He has to say about all the subjects that we're talking about. Hmm. He, he continues to tell us what is true and what makes us realize what is wrong in our lives? He corrects us when we're wrong and teaches us what to do 
what is right. That's God's word. God uses it to prepare and equip his people to do every good work. Hebrews 4.12 that you're familiar with goes a little bit further. It tells you also what the word of God does and why people don't want to read it and why they get bent out of shape when you begin speaking or living it. You, are you the written word? It says, for the word of God is alive and powerful. It is sharper than the sharpest two-edged sword, cutting between soul and spirit, between joint and marrow. It exposes our inmost thoughts and desires. That's why a lot of people don't want to go running to the word of God. Why they don't want to be exposed to the word of God. Why people don't want to come to church where the word of God is proclaimed. And here at Victory Life, we've made this the centerpiece of what we do. It is his word that changes your life. It is his word that cleanses you. It is his word that will save you. It is his word that will teach you the truth. It is his word that will tell you what's right and wrong. That's why it has preeminence in our lives. Now, can I ask you a question? Who's led you to believe the doubt this? What book, what author has more credibility than God about this subject matter? Now, let's turn the corner just a little bit and begin to allow God to speak to us about every decision we make, okay? Because we, in order to have revival, which I'm praying for in my life and in your life, We need to get honest with ourselves. But let's start with the easy one. We talked about two, three weeks ago about life. How many of you came to the Love Life Walk? Many of you came there. We enjoyed. And I don't know yet if God used our ministry to prevent the loss of life, but we were faithful to do what God asked us to do. Many people skip over this passage when we talk about life in the womb. And that's when Mary visited Elizabeth. It's found in Luke chapter 1, verse 39. A few days after Mary hurried to the hill country of Judea, to the town where Zechariah lived, she entered the house and greeted Elizabeth. Remember, she's pregnant with John the Baptist. And at the sound of Mary's greeting, hello, Elizabeth, Elizabeth's child leaped within her. And Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. Elizabeth gave a glad cry and exclaimed to Mary, God has blessed you above all women, and your child is blessed. She's not blessed above all women as being above all women, but that God selected her to carry the child of God. That's what it means. Look at the enemy got someone down the wrong path. And there's a whole religious organization that misinterprets this passage. That's how easy it is to be diverted on the wrong path. But he continues. He said, God has blessed you above all women and your child is blessed. Why am I so honored that the mother of my Lord, that means Mary was pregnant, should visit me when I heard your greeting, the baby in my womb jump for joy. So who in the world told you and me it was all right to abort a a baby? What book? What person? What party? By the way, just like schools, if you're part of a party, listen thoroughly. This is not a political statement. It's if you decide to vote for someone, like going to the public school and bringing your children home and then debriefing them on all the lies, you better stand up loud and clear and say, listen, this is wrong. I'm voting for you, but this is wrong. Then, 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 then at least that blood will be not held at your hands, but you better speak out and not be silent. You see, many Christian women, and I've been throughout the North and throughout the South, as I got saved in Arkansas, went to school in Arkansas, and many people would not come out about this particular subject. And, and, and then many that did said, okay, I believe it's wrong to have an abortion. However, 
This is a stance of many Christians. But I believe the woman has the right to determine what happens to her body. Now, what's wrong with that? The scripture tells us in 1 Corinthians 6, don't you realize that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who lives in you and was given to you by God? You do not belong, uh uh-oh, you do not belong to yourself. So who's promoting that kind of Morality, you better stand up loud and clear if you're going to vote this way or that way. Stand up and let your voice be heard that that woman does not have a right to do what she wants with her body when a baby's inside. What book did you read that told you otherwise? Who told you it was okay? Or perhaps you're playing God again. And you decide what is right and what is wrong. How's it working out for you? Is it leading you in the path of righteousness or the wrong path? Now, we'll become a little bit more sensitive if you allow me to. Sex. I heard a lot of throats cleared at that moment. <laughs> Did you hear that? Let me say it one more time. Sex. <clears throat> if everybody does it at once, we won't know who cleared their throat. <laughs> okay. What do I want to say? We, we could camp out here. But if we're going to have revival, we need to get a little bit more serious about are you allowing Jehovah Rohi to lead you in the path, the right path? or the wrong path concerning this subject, and it does affect the church. Genesis 2, 24 reminds us a little bit about this subject, first beginning with the male and female, when he said, Then the Lord God made a woman from the rib, and he brought her to the man. At last the man exclaimed, This is bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh. She will be called woman because she was taken from man. Well, this explains why man leaves his father and mother. Emphasis on leave. <laughs> and is joined to his wife. And the two are united into one. Then God blessed them in Genesis 1.28. He said, be fruitful. Have sex. It's the only way you can be fruitful. And Multiply. Fill the earth and govern it. Reign over the fish in the sea, the birds in the sky, and all the animals that scurry along the ground. So God said it was okay in the confines of marriage. He tells us in 1 Corinthians 6.18, here's leading us into the path of righteousness on the right path or the wrong path. Run from sexual sin. No other sin so clearly affects the body as this one. For sexual immorality is a sin against your own body. I get this question often, seriously, as a pastor. Well, what's wrong? Where do I draw the line? I don't know if you've ever read Leviticus 18. If you haven't, please write it down. It tells you every way not to have sex. Don't have it with your mother, your brother, your sister, your dog, your kitten. I'm being serious. It says that. It tells you every way. Well, how can I have sex, God? You told me all the ways I can't. Well, he just told you in Genesis the way you can have sex. You say, once again, like the woman that wants to have an abortion, I have a right over my body. You may be saying to yourself, well, this is my body. I can do what I want with it. Well, let's go back to 1 Corinthians chapter 6. The common sense says, you say food was made for the stomach and stomach for food. This is true, though someday God will do away with both of them. But you can't say that our bodies were made for sexual immorality. They were made 
for the Lord. And the Lord cares about our bodies. So you may be saying here this morning, well, uh, okay, I agree that having sex outside of marriage is wrong. But it's not necessarily wrong to, to think about it. It's okay to think about it. Well, Jesus goes a step further and reminds us, remember, in the Scripture, that to lust is to commit adultery. Wow. Who has led you and me astray that says it's okay to lust? What book? The Kinsley Report? Hugh Hefner? Who told you it was okay to lust? Has it taken you off the right path and put you on the wrong path? I was looking some things up. Everyone knows Quora, Q-U-O-R-A. You get a lot of answers you want and don't want. It says, it's not sinful to think about sex. You need to indulge in your desires. And I would even encourage frequent fornication. I wouldn't go to Quora for answers to get you on the right path. I would go to the Word of God. Here's what he said again in Colossians 3.5. So put to death the sinful earthly things lurking within you. Have nothing, nothing, absolutely nothing. I'm, I'm giving an amplified version. To do with sexual immorality, impurity, lust, and evil desires. On top of that says don't be greedy. For a greedy person is an adulterer, worshiping things of this world. So I want to ask you again. 70% in the church, according to George Barnum, struggle with this subject I just talked to you about. So we have to make a decision. Now we're going to let Jehovah Rohi, our shepherd, Lead me into the path of righteousness. He wants to concerning this subject matter. You see, I really, my soapbox, and you know I've hardly ever preached. Does anybody know what my soapbox is? Movies and television. But I don't get up here and pound the pulpit and say, don't do this and don't go there. I remember in the, when I got saved in the 70s, they just pounded the pulpit about never going to movies. Throw your TVs out. But that, that's legalism. TV isn't wrong. Going to movie theater is not wrong. But I, I, I just, I'm telling you, and, and I, I believe I could back it up scripturally. I cannot understand how you and me can agree with God here on this subject matter. To not even think about it and then go pay $10, $15 to go to a movie theater where they tell you or they talk about it or they indulge in it. And go, that's all right. I'm not doing it. But you watch everybody else do it. Right? What book did you read that says it's okay? Because it's a movie. Those are real people in real life doing. <clears throat> yes. Okay. So I made a decision when I got saved. Hardly any TV. I can't tell you who the actors and actresses are. And it doesn't make me Righteous. I've seen things I should have never seen. But I don't consistently watch the things that I believe are very sinful. So, is the shepherd leading you to make the right decisions? To get you on the right path? He said, the shepherd wants to lead you in every decision you make on the right path. I know all the time, now, my computer, anywhere I go on this computer... It, it, I have a person that it tells you everywhere I've gone. Hallelujah. I have zero, zero problems with this because it takes a picture everywhere I've gone. So, I, you know, I, I didn't really go there. Am I computer? Yes, you did. No, I didn't. That, that was the old days. The new days, if you have covenant eyes, it takes a picture. It tells you where you've been. Let me tell you, I love it. Thank God for coveted eyes. I'm, I'm, do, I'm on religious sites, and they got girls showing off the skirts they're going to wear they want you to buy. So see, 
it is constantly in front of your face. So if you aren't being proactive about lust, then you're going to be on the wrong path. You're not going to experience this joy in the Lord. You're not going to experience him leading you into the, his perfect will. You're not going to pass that down to your children's children. You're not going to be that light and salt that God wants you to be. Now, I want to pick on, get a little bit more picky here. You, you, am I allowed to get a little picky here? Now, I'm just like you. You're allowing me to be your pastor, but I got to tell the truth, like a judge. No one could be a judge if he had to be perfect. He would not be able to judge any case because he's broken the laws himself. But nevertheless, this is what God asked me to do. Divorce. Divorce. Now, I'll set the stage by reminding you there are a couple reasons you can get a divorce. What are they? Adultery and unequally yoked. There are some allowances for that. Now, I might add another one. I hope I don't get in trouble, Lord. Another one would be, I guess, if your life feels threatened and you're being abused verbally and physically. Would you agree with that? Get out of Dodge. Okay. With that being said, let's look at the Scripture. Suppose a man, this is found in Deuteronomy 22. Suppose a man marries a woman. Now, this isn't, he's not committed adultery. Not, I'm talking about he's not anybody else's. She's not anybody else's. But now they engage in activity. But after sleeping with her, he turns against her. Deuteronomy 22, 19 then adds this. The woman then remain the man's wife, and he may never divorce her. Now, I remember preaching in my first church that if, what the Scripture teaches, if you join yourself with a prostitute, you become one. What God is telling us is be very careful. Be very careful that you do your best not to have sex before marriage because I'm telling you, if you do, even outside the boundaries of marriage, you have become one. That's what the Scripture says. That is the truth. It is not debatable. Don't come and email me and text me afterwards. It is not debatable. If you went and had sex with someone, now you're one. Now you got to stay married to that person the rest of your life. That's what God says. And that's not giving you permission to have sex outside of marriage. But if you do, it's saying you should stay married to that person. Now, why do Christians then, who are they listening to that gives them a pass that says, no, uh, I don't believe that. It's all right to get a divorce. Or why are you even contemplating divorce except for those reasons I just gave you? Here's what Malachi said in chapter 2. Didn't the Lord make you one with your wife? In body and in spirit, you are his. And what does he want? Godly children from your union. So guard your heart, remain loyal to the wife of your youth, for I love divorce. I just wanted to make sure you're awake and not sleeping. Some people act like that. It, and some people come up to me and say, you know, God told me it was okay to get a divorce. What does that tell you right away? It shouldn't stop. You said, you said it's, it's not in the Bible, but they'll swear God told them this in the Bible. Now, we just have a nice couple just got married. How are you doing? Hannah, our singer up front. Good to have you back. I'm not, I, is the honeymoon still going on? <laughs> no, no, no. You aren't thinking about divorce already, are you? <laughs> See, when I got married, I understood as a believer it wasn't even a possibility. Boy, does that help you deal with a lot of problems on your plates and not run from them. I have run out of the house. I remember one time shoving my wife in. Yes, I used physical force. I put her in the bedroom, closed the door, and I ran out of the house so I wouldn't get physical, physical. But never, well, in stupidity, a couple times I brought the issue up, in stupidity. 
but never have I thought about separating from my wife because of what God said. I hate divorce. I do want to remind you here today of God's grace. Everything, let's put it this way. When the Holy Spirit or Jesus tells you to get on the right path and you do not listen, it is sin. Praise God when he said, well, actually, let's get to the subject of forgiveness. Two more and we're finished. Forgiveness. Yes, he will forgive you of your sin, of divorce. I remember going to my first church and they thought that was only the, it was the unpardonable sin. And, and you could find no leaders amongst those who had gotten divorced. But all the perverts over here that did everything under the sun while they were married, you could find your leaders over here. But over here, you couldn't find your leaders if they had been divorced or they had the bumper sticker, I've been divorced. It was so hypocritical. So it is sin. We also know there's a fallout. There's human consequences to our failures. But nevertheless, you can be forgiven of that sin. Just want to remind you of that. But here's what he does say about forgiveness. Now, this gets even a little bit more personal. You see, who gave you the right to be mad? What book told you it's okay? What author told you it was okay? Who told you it was not, it was okay not to forgive? I still remember the woman in my first church that I went to her house and got on my knees and said, I'm so sorry I did what I did. I, I really didn't do much. Or, it's a whole other story, but let's say I was wrong. I went to her house, got on my knees, and said, I'm sorry. Would, would you forgive me? I'm a young man in the ministry, and I told you to sit down in the church, and she didn't. And uh, so I went to her house, and I apologized to her. You know how she reacted? With open arms? No. You pitiful thing, you. You pitiful thing. That's what she said to me. A woman of God. What book was she reading? Who was she listening to? I actually, in my office, I, actually, I said, God, if she's still alive, I, I think she still may be alive. I honestly prayed for her, for her sake, that she'd pick up the phone. I've forgiven her and say, you know what? Even if I'm 100% wrong, what is her responsibility? Who's telling you you can't forgive your husband, your spouse, your child, your boss? Who in the world is steering you on the wrong path? Do you not realize what Matthew 6 teaches? Here's what God says. If you forgive those who sin against your heavenly father, Matthew 6, Father will forgive you. Here it is. Are you ready? But if you refuse to forgive others, your heavenly father or your father will what? Forgive you. Do you know how many people are ill and sick and full of anxiety? Their blood pressure is up. They got taken medications because they have not been obedient to Jehovah Rohi, leading them into the path of forgiveness. They hang on to bitterness and unforgiveness, and they themselves cannot be forgiven of sin and receive the blessings of God, who in God's name has led you off the path of righteousness onto this path of destruction. Who? Lack of forgiveness? Who the heck do you think you are? Have you ever looked in the mirror at yourself? And seeing all the mistakes you've made? Mm. Because of time, I'm going to skip over children and money. Oh, money would be a good one. I'll get to the last one. Jesus. God, Jehovah, said he's God. On the Mount of Transfiguration, Moses, Elijah, Jesus, after he appeared, he said, this is my son, whom I have chosen. Listen to him. Who told you not to listen to him? What book, what rabbi, what priest told you to, to rebuke what God said? What book? Tell me what chapter it says. 
that he's not God. What about David? David said he's God, that Yeshua is God in Psalms 110.1. It says, Yahweh said to my Adonai, let me repeat that, Yahweh, see that's why it's important sometimes to get to the Greek and the Hebrew, because otherwise it just says, my Lord said to my Lord, and you're thinking no big deal, but Yahweh said to Adonai, that's what David is saying, said to my Adonai, sit here at my right hand till I make your enemies your footstool. Who, are, who, who, who do you know better than David that can tell you about this subject? What about John, the apostle who said, he is God? John, who touched him, who said, listen, all these things have I written that you might believe. But he said in John 1, in the beginning was the word. John 1, in the beginning was the word, already existed, already existed. The word was God. You're, some of us, our minds are led right away to the written word when we think of the word or word out of our mouths. And it's okay to begin thinking that way, but, but then it begins to elaborate on what that word is. And the word was with God and the word was God. He existed in the beginning with God and God created everything, everything through him. And nothing was created except through him. And then John 1.14 explains so clearly what the word is so we don't mistake it for the word, written word, and the word coming out of our mouths. But he actually defines the word, said, said, so the word became human and made his home among us. He was full of unfailing love and faithfulness. And we have seen his glory, the glory of the Father, his one and only Son. So who told you? Who told you? Yeshua is not Yahweh's only begotten son. You're going to risk your entire life on some nonsense? Here is a person that put it better than I could. Who, and some of you have seen this before, but I love to show it every couple, twice a year. He's my king. Let's listen in, and then I'll close it. The Bible says my king is the king of the Jews. He's the king of Israel. He's the king of righteousness. He's the king of the ages. He's the king of heaven. He's the king of glory. He's the king of kings. And he's the Lord of lords. That's my king. I wonder do you know him? My king is a sovereign king. No means of measure can define his limitless love. He's enduring strong. He's entirely sincere. He's eternally steadfast. He's immortally graceful. He's imperially powerful. He's impartially merciful. Do you know him? He's the greatest phenomenon that has ever crossed the horizon of this world. He's God's son. He's a sinner's savior. He's the centerpiece of civilization. He's unparalleled. He's unprecedented. He is the loftiest idea in literature. He's the highest personality in philosophy. He's the fundamental doctrine of true theology. He's the only one qualified to be an all-sufficient savior. I wonder if you know him today. He supplies strength for the weak. He's available for the tempted and the tried. He sympathizes and he saves. He strengthens and sustains. He guards and he guides. He heals the sick. He cleans the lepers. He forgives sinners. He discharges debtors. He delivers the captive. He defends the feeble. He blesses the young. He serves the unfortunate. He regards the age. He rewards the diligent. And he purifies the meek. I wonder if you know him. He's a key to knowledge. He's a wealth of wisdom. He's a doorway of deliverance. He's a pathway of peace. He's a roadway of righteousness. He's a highway of holiness. He's a gateway of glory. Do you know him? Well, his life is matchless. His goodness is limitless. His mercy is everlasting. His love never changes. His word is enough. His grace is sufficient. His reign is righteous. 
I know most of you already know the Lord, but this, this message hits me and hits you. It is so easy to get off the path of righteousness, isn't it? It is so easy to get off the path, the right path. But remember, it's done decision by decision. So we need to today to at least ask ourselves, Lord, am I making decisions about my marriage, about my children, about my finances? Am I making decisions that are based on your word? Am I allowing you to lead me on that path of righteousness? Please forgive me for listening to the wrong voice. Please forgive me listening to myself. Please forgive me for reading the wrong books. And if you're here today and you're still grappling with, is Jesus God? Can I ask you, isn't it worth risking everything rather than relying on who? 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 That person? You're going to listen to that person, Darwin? Hawkins? Instead of God and Jesus, who's changed millions of lives all over the world. Remember, Jesus said, if you've seen me, you have seen the Father. He is God in the flesh. He is God in the Old Testament. The Jews wrote about him. The prophets talked about him. All the apostles were Jewish. All the writers are Jewish. They're telling you, Yeshua is God. Put your confidence in Him. Let Him, Jehovah-Rohi, guide you into all righteousness today. We'll be up here at the altar. Please take time to come and pray and bring your prayers and petitions before God. Ask God to help you make those right decisions. Jehovah-Rohi will lead you into all righteousness which is Jehovah Sidkenu is he your righteousness today he can become your righteousness by calling out at him God forgive me I want to be on that road to peace and Jesus came to make that peace between you and the father by dying on the cross shedding his blood covering all your sins and God will forgive you for his sake as the scripture says he will lead you in the path of righteousness for his sake he's doing it and then you benefit from it would you come as god speaking to you today thanks so much for listening to this podcast if this has blessed you would you consider giving a financial gift to help bring this message to more people you can do that at vlcministries.com give you can also subscribe rate and share this podcast with your friends and family here's what we believe living god's way everywhere every way every day we love you and god bless 